What's the word, my friend? What's up, brother? How are you? you no, know, I, I, I. Sorry about last night. You, you, you hit me to say, you know, what's up, and I forgot that you, you know, you're a late night guy because you've got to run things. <laughs> Seriously, I forget that like the restaurant life, you know, besides the DJ life, is all night. Yeah, I'm just you know? kind of, you know, it started with uh, direct drive doing like being up. I mean, you know, we did that every week for ten years. So, you know, after the first five. You know, my body mellows out at 8 p.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like running on autopilot till about 11. Then midnight, I wake up. And then uh, I'm up till like 6, 7. And then that just kind of kept going throughout like every day. You know, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, I start getting a little drowsy. Like, oh, man, am I getting old? Like, is it because I'm I eating like fatty dinner or, you know, whatever? So. I saw a post from you, I don't know how long ago it was, like I want to say a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, about trying to eat more healthy. Right. You know, like the doctor says it's time for me to eat more healthy. And then I see you launch a, um, you know, a, a, a bourbon. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way he's eating more healthy if he's going to launch a bourbon. It's not happening. Yeah, it's funny <laughs> because, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, I grew up like, uh, <clears throat> you know, in high school, I was like super healthy. And mm -hmm. then uh, even, you know, throughout my 20s, you know, I was like really healthy. I actually didn't start drinking anything but beer until I started Direct Drive, which is like 98. So 99, I started drinking some hard, hard alcohol. <laughs> and like no, a lot of people didn't, you know, so I'm like almost 30 years old. And then I fell in love with whiskey and then, uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my, my brother would, you know, often be like, you know, cause I would be like, Oh, you're not feeling well, drink some whiskey. He's like, bro, that's not good for you. And I was like, I don't know. I feel pretty good, bro. I feel pretty amazing. <laughs> drinking whiskey and, you know, doing what I want to do. I, I do feel like that is a part of health. You know, it's like, it's all up here. Lot of part of your mental I, I agree with the part of it is yeah. the mental you need to be able to even if you're not doing something that's specifically good physically for your body if it helps you mentally there's that balance you have to have that balance and i and i agree with that with eating well eating good food because yeah. you know a lot of people who are my age and who've been around we've been in the business for a long time a lot of people like never can guess how old i am and i'm like it's because my whole life Mm. I've partied extremely hard and I've worked out my whole entire life and I eat well and I, you know, I do all of it, but mm. I think that that balance keeps you young and mentally stable and all that kind of stuff. But let's go back to direct drive because, um, it's funny to think direct drive, you did that for 10 years. So t tell everybody about direct drive who doesn't know. So direct drive is one of the earliest drum and bass parties in Manhattan. Um, Along at the same time, I think with uh, Concrete Jungle. I don't know when Concrete Jungle Concrete started. Jungle it was ahead of us uh, by many years, like five, four or five. Five, okay, because I remember Concrete Jungle at Coney Island High back in the day. <clears throat> right. And then where did you guys start? You started at Wetlands or you started at... No, 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 no. I'm talking about Concrete started at Wetlands. So they were already, you know, I was going to their... I was going to those parties and then i was like inducted into the shaolin fist crew with uh you know delmar cassine and all of those guys bodie it was like a whole crew of like uh creatives you know so they uh brought me on as part of the shaolin fist crew started djing with them i started djing at coney island high um but then i was kind of like you know 
uh, you know, doing my day thing, which I was actually a Taekwondo instructor. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what my life was supposed to be. My uncle is a grandmaster. I was basically sleeping, you know, because I was working 70 hours a week. And then I was coming after, uh, after teaching and stuff, coming all the way into Manhattan to promote or go to, like, different parties. And then I would only sleep, like, probably, like, three to five hours a day. Yeah, it sounds like, sounds like all of us who had that hustle, right? That's the yeah, hustle. Yeah. So I did that for many years. And then, you know, and then when I was DJing out, cutting dub plates and, you know, really trying to get in, like, really just, like, I'm thinking in my brain, this is what I want to do. So right. I had a conversation with my uncle, and he's like, oh, okay, all right, good luck, you'll be back. And, uh, you know, that was that was a long time Who's, ago. Who is your uncle? Is he somebody, my, my son's into in, into Taekwondo, and he does West Side Taekwondo up on 103rd Street. It's, uh, it's actually in uh, in New Jersey. He's so, in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, Master Cho. Uh, same, uh, he married my... Uh, my aunt on my mother's mm -hmm. side just so happened his name is cho uh my mother's maiden name is her but you know so it was cho and cho and then when i was working for him everybody thought i was his son so you know plus i looked really young so people would be like oh is your dad home or dad here you know i was like yeah you know i think he's around here somewhere but why don't you come in let's talk about your training your son or you or whatever so uh, so you're a black belt then obviously and then i'm a i'm a dark one yeah a dark belt dark shade right. Dark I mean, that was shade. a long time ago, though. You know, I mean, if I, I, I got you, listen, now, I'm just talking about it because it's interesting to me. Because, you know, my son is, is big into it before we had to leave the city because of all the craziness. I think he's a red black now. Mm -hmm. um, and he's eight. So he's been, you know, he's, he's, that was like his first serious thing that he did. Now he's in super into chess. And, you know, like he's got that sort of. Wu Tang, bro. Wu Tang. Yeah, he hates to practice, but once he gets past that, like, I, I'm terrible phase. Mm -hmm. He really gets into something. So, you know, I, I'm really hoping he gets back to the Taekwondo when we get back into the city. And all At that least stuff. get your black belt, you know, I mean, I, you know, but he's such a young kid, like eight years old, you know, your body's not fully developed. So you become actually, they could, they call it a junior black belt. Yeah. Get, yeah. Then when you get older, I mean, but it like anything else, it's kind of like a apprenticeship type vibe. It really depends on the teacher. If your teacher is like a survivalist, then that's the type of training you get. So a lot of art, you know, my uncle was always surprised at how many children I had. I would have like 40 kids on average. I mean, like 40 in a classroom with just me. And he was like, how do you get so many kids? And the thing is, like, I made them do a lot of uh, discipline, like standing in attention position. They can't leave until, you know, um, they're standing there. But I would make it fun. You know, I wasn't, you know, but I was just explaining to my uncle. I was like, you know, this is our life you know we train we we practice we do all kinds of stuff you know but for the kids it's a part of their life so the only thing they they like being accepted you know all the kids yeah each other and you know but there was a definitely you know you can't get higher than green unless you're a student you know straight a and i would like be really involved and then you know it, it was like it, it was a really beautiful thing because you know then i like went to other schools and obviously you know 
you know, I'm going to look for my son. And it's just very different. You know, every school is different. It really depends on the instructor's focus and stuff like that. But if it's really a lot of discipline, respect, teach them how to meditate. And really, you see kids transform the way they walk, they talk, they stand up. And, you know, and the amount of confidence level is, 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 uh, is really like it's it's really crazy, like how you can transform. Uh, we found like the opposite for miles, yeah. Because yeah. so he's what, what, the first experience for him was here's somebody else who commands respect, mm -hmm. and also you can't mess around, and they're going to yell at you. Like his teacher would yell at him or yell at the class if you know if they weren't doing the right stuff. And now <laughs> we loved it as parents because we we're like, look, so finally somebody else is yelling at the kid and not just yeah. us. So they see that the world is not just these two people with a set of ideals. There's 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 things you need to do to move forward in life. Yeah. Um, and I think that was his first real taste of that from somebody else. Um, you know, and then the process of getting your belt and learning your forms and doing all yeah. that. It's, 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 impo always, it's important because yeah. they get rewarded. Yeah. It's always better to have a third person. I mean, it doesn't matter how, you know, even people are like, oh, your kids must be so disciplined. You know, when I was like younger and I was like, nah, like my kid doesn't listen to me as well. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, your kid. I, you know, my daughter, my daughter's, you know, beautiful soul, like super smart. And, you know, she, you know, and she was born in 2000. So she's 19 and we're going to be 20. And then I got my fat Buddha baby. He's three years old, you know, <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and even him, it's like, you know, he doesn't listen. He, he's just like me. You know, I, I don't really listen. I want to do what I want to do. And I learn the hard way. And that's it. You know, all I can be is like kind of bumper guards and make sure it doesn't fall off a roof and stuff like that. So, 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 so talk about, so then, so you form direct drive. Cause I yeah. remember all those well, cats. Yeah, I remember I did, Cassian I did a and Delmar and you know, whatever happened to Cassian by the way, where is he? I'm, I've run into Delmar here and there. I've never, <laughs> I've never Cali. run into Cassian. Yeah. He's in Cali. Oh, that's why I, I spoke to him the other day on Facebook, but like, so I, I started this party with a uh, guy lion, DJ lion. Uh, we mm -hmm. did rumble sessions and then I was kind of like, you know, I kind of want to do my own thing. Uh, I remember Lion. Didn't he have the yeah. dreads? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He had like uh, nutty jungle nut uh, in the hands. Yeah. I, it's funny. You reminded me of, like, I, I think of Lion Dove, but I forgot about Lion. He was like. Yeah, DJ Lion. Yeah. So, uh, and then I, you know, I kind of started DJing by selling mixtapes through Liquid Sky and uh, Jen's Rocker and uh, this other guy, Elijah. They helped me. They just sold them my tapes. It was like crazy because they're like, we're out of your tapes. I'm like, I just gave them to you. And they're like, yeah, we sold them all, like all 10. So bring in 20. And I was like, bang, another 20 gone. I'm like, you know, wait, like what's going on? You know, and then I kept selling them, kept selling them. And I was like, all right, you know, I guess I'm going to start DJing. Then started DJing, going out a lot more, then linked up with uh, with Cassine and the, the Shaolin and Delmar and the Shaolin Fist crew. They, you know, they brought me on, I guess Delmar or uh casting was just like oh he's part of the crew now um and then i started playing out and i was like oh i want to start throwing parties did some stuff with lion we brought out some heads to rumble sessions but then you know it was difficult um you know it didn't last that long and then i was like i kind of want to do my own thing so i did a party for my birthday at uh back tune and then uh you know it was only two weeks out of the month uh, the first like three or four months and then he was like hey what about doing weekly so i was like okay and i was like bringing sound in and doing all kinds of i remember about that place yeah. was a mess yeah it was a mess yeah as, as everything else was in the city though i always try to explain to people like being a dj back in the in that time 
facilities were not prepared for low bass music. And so yeah. hip hop and dance music always had to play in these sort of like poorly fitted rock clubs or clubs that were made really for rock performance. They weren't really made for club music. And not so there was always this thing where you had to like reinforce everything that you did because it always sounded like crap if you didn't. Yeah, it's just like a, it's a drum party. It's not drum and bass, you know. You know, it's like yeah, it's like uh, it just sounds like drums in here. I don't hear anything else, you know. Um, you know, with Ming and FS, we literally every time when we were on tour, we we'd spend sound check rewiring the systems everywhere we went to tune them to the room because like we can get bass out of the system if we yeah. do X, Y, and Z. And we would literally sit there tuning the system every single night. We would play, yeah. And people thought we were crazy, but when we played, it sounded good. Yeah, that's what you want. You know, yeah, well, I know what I'm saying, like, but people didn't realize, like, they just wanted to do their sound check and go home. But we were like, no, 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 it doesn't sound good, though. Yeah, back in the day, it's like, you're basically like a mobile wedding DJ. You gotta, like, try to, you know, you, you have to... Slash electrician, slash carpenter. Yeah, and then and then all the DJs who just show up to play, like, yo, man, it's just like, you know, you're not doing... You're, either you're part of the solution or you're part of the problem. <laughs> Yeah. pushing something together and uh you know that's what it is so uh at Backtune, we were able to install our own sound system uh that was designed in and then you know it then it sounded amazing people were like oh shit and then you know that's when it was like full swing uh but then it was like you know the club only lasted four years so then after that I had to like bounce around went to chinatown got a lot of noise complaints and then you know uh, moved around so uh it was uh, the first four years are magical. After that, it was, like, really tough, you know? And then after 10 years, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do special events because I was still doing club stuff. And then yeah. uh, and then, uh, then I then I put in an offer to buy Fat Buddha 2010. And then even after I took over the bar, I was still doing uh, parties. I, mean, I was still doing, uh, you know, now, love. What, now, what made you do that? What made you get into the bar life? Because I know, obviously, we're doing club life and you're throwing parties and all that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of, you know, I'm also, I'm getting older, you know, my kids older, you know, the demands are getting, you yeah. know, to be like a full-time promoter. I mean, obviously, you know, it's always funny as a meme to make fun of promoters, but when you're like, actually, you know, trying to live <laughs> off of it, it's difficult, <laughs> you know? And then it's like, oh, you know, then you see these memes with like stack of cash. I'm like, bro, if I had that stack of cash, we'd all be eating. I don't find it very funny. And then, you know, the, the reality is I don't want to be stuck as like pushing gigs. And I mean, no disrespect to promoters and DJs out there, you know, that are doing it full time. I, I, you know, I did it seven years full time. That's all I did. DJ promote, do yeah, yeah. teams without any outside job. Then, uh, you know, then I was just kind of like, where do I take my knowledge? You know? Obviously, I left the comfort of running multiple schools and a regular paycheck to follow my passion without any kind of, uh, you know, direction. I just try to stay on that trajectory of doing things that interested me and the things that I was passionate about. And mm -hmm. then I DJed a birthday party at uh, the place. It was called Forbidden City. And then um, I noticed I didn't have a lot of liquor. So I said, hey, you know, uh, <laughs> I asked the birthday boy, you know, I was like, yo, do you know these owners? And he's like, yeah. And I said, can you ask them if they'd be interested in selling? And then at that time, I was friendly with uh, uh, Dave. Uh, he was the owner of Central Fly, that yeah. tramps and drink land. And he was going to come in with me as a partner. And then we started negotiating, doing everything. And then he 
as the deal was finalizing, he's like, hey, actually, I'm going to go to China. I'm going to, yeah, he went to Macau. He had an offer to run like the special events of the Venetian. And then he's like, you know what, man? He's just like, that's, uh, you did all the works. I'm not really doing anything. You structured an amazing deal. Just, you know, run with it. So, you know. Good for you, man. I yeah. love drink. I love Drinkland. Drinkland was like one of my, I would say temples, you know, like I spent many, 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 many mm -hmm. late nights at Drinkland, just, you know, on all the iterations prior to the dance band, dancing band and all that. Um, and same with Fat Buddha, though. So, so, so you grab this bar. It's mm -hmm. in a prime location. It's in the East Village, where like before the East Village is is changing. So you're like, and it's also sort of the heart. It's right by. It's right by. Um, it, it was sides. It wasn't prime when we moved in, though. I know that. Lot, I, yeah, the, I mean, the whole avenue was like there's barely any businesses open. Nobody was really coming up north of like uh, St. Mark's, really Ninth, you know, on Avenue A. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, that was prior to way before Arlene's Grocery. What was the place that was in the basement that was right around the corner? Um, you went down the basement. There was a club in the basement there. Oh, where Camouflage was? Was it Camouflage? Well, Camouflage was there. What was that called? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. But they had, like, the fans. Was well, that 2A or something probes, like that? No. Stuff like that. I don't remember. It's no longer there. I think it's Drum now. Drome, right. Drome, yeah. Yeah, is that still around? Drome is, yeah. Well, now I don't know. I don't know anything. That's Nobody knows, really, you know? <laughs> uh, nobody knows anything. No, yeah, yeah. Brent is asking the bank. The bank is on Houston. That became Element. But right, it's ink. not the bank. I remember no, the bank. The, the bank, bank used to hold like uh, a lot of the earlier drum and bass stuff. And then it became, uh, you know, the uh, Element later on. And was still the, there was still like some drum and bass stuff there. But, yeah, you know, I I know we keep bouncing around, but going back to it, I didn't really see myself with a future as getting older. So I was like, all right, let me try to get either into the club world, which typically rips you off, and then I was like, maybe I can get into something smaller where I can kind of curate it, and uh, I can have my you know connection of people kind of congregate to, and so that's basically the basic idea of Fat Buddha. Um, I was going to take over uh, the club in Brooklyn called Savalas. Um, I don't know Savalas. Named after Teddy Savalas. Yeah. Um, it was like a, uh, the same guys. They uh, I forget the name of the big space there in Brooklyn. But they opened up another place. So when they were opening that place, they said, you know, would you be interested in taking over Savalas? And I was like, oh, I don't know you know, if I can do both places. I liked Fat Buddha because I had a kitchen and I was cooking and I was like, you know, passionate about food. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll do that. And then uh, Savalas is on, uh, was on Bedford. Um, and I did a, through a lot of parties and it sounded great. And there was just basically club. And then they were like, oh, we would like you to take it over because we know that you'll run it the way we want to make it. So I don't think it, uh, I don't think it, uh, no, it's not Galapagos. Same, different guys. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you know, so then I chose Fat Buddha, you know, or uh, I chose the location on Avenue A instead of uh, Bedford. But Bedford at that time was popping. So some people are like, yo, like, why are you doing Avenue A? No one's really right walking around that area. You know, it's like a point of destination, um, you know, and then 
recently now, like, you know, a couple of years ago, a lot of people do bar crawls. They go come around the area. So then, you know, it seemed like a great location afterwards. I mean, I always felt like it was, it was like a place you could, you could go. It was easy to, easy to be there. It was an easy service. You always had good people working there. You were always very friendly when I'd run into you there. My friends who lived in the East Village, you know, that, that was, like, was a good meetup place. Even if you were going to go out and do clubbing and all that other stuff, it was like, yo, let's just go to, you know, let's go to Fat Buddha. We'll have a couple drinks. There's food, like whatever. We can start. And right. you could start at any time, which is what I really liked. That's, it was really right. approachable. Or um, end, end your night there, too. It'll yeah, you could, I mean, but that's the thing that's amazing to me is that somehow it doesn't surprise me now that I know that you were going to be, a, you know, a, you were a teacher, a, a, a Taekwondo teacher, because it takes a certain discipline and wherewithal to be able to do something that's so taxing, you know, to be, you're just at that space doing things all the time. And I remember you hosted a number of parties of all kinds of like cultural relevance. I had a friend who had ALS. He had just finished a movie you mm -hmm. hosted that event. I remember I have pictures of like all the people who are involved in that ALS thing, you right. know, having a celebration at Fat Buddha. And it was like one of those central, and it still is a place where just people really connect. How did that grow into it being such a like hip hop spot? Well, like, yeah, I mean, that, that was the initial thing. Like when I opened up, people thought it was going to be an electronic bar. They were like, oh, we're going to do breakbeat and jungle. Right. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to do hip hop. And they were like, what? How do you, what do you know about hip hop? And I was like, oh, <laughs> I know Mike G of the Jungle Brothers. I know, uh, you know, and his uncle is Red Alert. And uh, I just want to play like golden era hip hop, like, you know, R&B and, you know, kind of focus on that. So, you know, it started kind of with that, where the I was DJing there and people would. That's why actually I changed my name from DJ Soul to Lord Kimchi, because Lord Kimchi is like my hip hop thing, you know, where I'm like, You're all like right. Lord Finesse. Yeah, right, right. A little <laughs> bit. Or yeah, it could have been cool Kimchi. I'm not sure with a K, you know, I like I, I like the Lord, though. It's good. Yeah, and it's actually my my manager with uh, Carlos would always say like when I would walk in he'd be like Lord Kimchi you know and then you know we'd laugh and whatever like when I used to walk into Fat Food I'd be like Homeboy you know so everybody a lot of people they always you know when they see me online they say Homeboy you know and they'd be like what is that <laughs> like even my friends would be like what why is that guy yelling Homeboy at you and I was like oh well that's why I did a direct drive I would call people. And I would say, homeboy, like, what's up? And I would be, oh, yeah, what's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just keep going, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that, that's what happened. And then at Fat Boot, I'm, like, DJing, and I kind of was like, hey, listen. But some guys, they were, like, only playing, like, Golden Era stuff. And I go, yeah. you know, nobody wants to hear this on a Saturday night. Like, they want to hear, like, the Brooklyn mashup stuff and this is like 2010 so this is where like all the mashups started coming out mm -hmm. i was doing parties elsewhere and i was like this is the vibe i want i wanted like a cool party uh that is palatable to everybody you know drum and bass is very specific you know yeah Not me speaks to me but you know if i no, play no, no, I, get pepper, that. I used to tell yeah. that to people all the time i was like listen drum and bass has my soul but it, it fills in all the crazy spaces in my mind but the tempo is not for everybody it's yeah. it's it's too intricate it's like jazz for a lot of people and hip-hop is the core and reggae is the core of it so if yeah. you love those things you can you know it's much more and hip-hop is much more universal especially at bpm wise yeah and then you know people will come in they're like what are you playing i'm like 
right now I'm playing salt and pepper and I'm segueing <laughs> into you know uh, in, into uh, um, major laser into this into that and they're like okay well you know so I, that's when I changed my name because a lot of confusion because I would put on the you know I'm, I'm DJing Saturday they would come in they'd be like what are you playing I was like I'm playing everything like you know and uh back then like josh link you know rest in peace he uh loaded me up with a lot of music and i was like you know playing a lot of hip-hop and i got a lot of music from him that's when i started to you know try to start doing more party rocking stuff and then i got a lot of corporate gigs to survive the drum and bass seasonality of it all yeah and, uh, you know i was able to pay for christmas gifts and you know during the holidays because of those corporate gigs you know and i would just yeah. land two or three but you know they're they're like one one to three thousand dollars a gig, and I was like, this is great, you know. Um, so yeah, that's how it became hip hop. It was intention. It was like orchestrated in that way. It wasn't uh, just happened to be like that. Uh, you know, I was DJing it. I was having the DJs and like asking them to play this way. I don't like to tell DJs what to do. I don't like to tell artists what to do. But I was like, just I want this kind of format. You know, trying to create like a real hip hop vibe in here. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you had you you were curating the room. Like I think every that's what makes a good promoter. If a promoter can pull people in that work within a creative freedom, but it you know you it's like they still have to understand what the room is doing. Yeah, you know, I always found that. So like if I if I'm playing somewhere I've never been before, I try to reach out to people to find out what the room is listening to in that room, so right. I know how far off to the left and how far off to the right I can go with what I do. And if it's not what I do then I got to be prepared for that. Like, Oh boy, this is not what I do. I'm going to have to fill in some time here. Right. Yeah. Which is, which was what ended up happening with like when, when EDM broke, you, you started having places that were just having DJ. Oh, I'll yeah. book that guy. And you think, Oh, they're booking me. Well, they're not, they didn't book me. They just booked DJ and I'm getting a nice check, <laughs> right. but it's not the music that I play. And here I am now I'm, I'm like doing like tables, you know, like table service clubs and like, no one cares what I'm I have to just play that other music that I was not, you know what I mean? And right. I got away from that, but it was that when things change, you understand, you know, like you have to play yeah. the room. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you, otherwise um, you clear the room, play the room, but clear the room. Right. 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 Well, back in the, you know, when I first started, I was like, I don't care. Don't well, care. it was your spot too. But I, I remember that. I remember you doing curating that. And I remember the, the weekends being different than the weekdays. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also remember the food being good. So let's mm. talk about that a little bit, because one of the things that over the last 10 years as I've been paying attention to on social media, the food aspect of what you do is really high end. It's not like throw away, you know, it's not falafel on a two in the morning out of a truck. It's good food. Which is How great. did you go from... Falafel is great. Falafel is and you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, it's not street food out of a, a vendor. It's like curated, really nice looking good food of different different like a mashup of different styles um and even 15 years ago it was like that it just progressed and progressed and progressed so your is your brother part of that or is that no the the kitchen you know initially there was already a restaurant program um so they did a lot of dim sum uh you know they had uh different dishes that to me didn't really speak to me so um, and plus budget wise, they were playing, a, uh, paying a dim sum guy, uh, a lot of money a week. So I was like, you know, I cut that. I, I got rid of almost everything. I changed some stuff. I left, uh, like salt and pepper squid on there. Uh, but yeah, other than that, that. it's like all the, uh, I changed it more to a Korean inspired pub food. 
Um, and a lot of those, all those recipes are from my mom and, uh, and from me re remixing it basically. Cause you know, everything that I kind of approach is like DJ or skater kind of mentality. <laughs> like I see it and I'm like, okay, how do I make this something that I'm into, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. I try to remix it, you know, and sometimes in my brain, I do the air horn and then, <laughs> you know, and then I'm always trying to find ways to streamline or make things easier so like finding the trick component like how do i do this how do i do that so when i did um when i did do the kitchen at fat buddha a lot of it was at first it's easy for me to cook for you know five ten people but to make it uh, a kitchen streamlined that means making it almost idiot proof where the sauces are pre-made and this right you do this and that so that was like the biggest hurdle uh we were able to do that and execute it and people really liked it but you know i would have to go in like I couldn't eat chicken wings for like another two years after I made all the wings because I ate hundreds and hundreds of wings like every day, all, like you know for weeks, and I'm just like nah, okay, trying that, trying the different sauces, yeah, and just like stuff. really like honing in on making the wings like banging, like where I'm like okay, I'm proud of these. Then I couldn't eat them anymore. Like, you know, and then once I put it on, though, it became like the top seller. Then I made the bao buns and we tried like different uh, ways to uh, cut the lettuce. Like, do we chop it up fine? Then we found that it like fell all over the place and I cubed it, you know, and then different types of lettuce, different mayo, just da, 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 you know. So for me, it was like a challenge, you know, it's like a remix concert, you know, R&D, 100%. So, yeah. you know, but a lot of that was you know uh so that and then i started becoming uh friends with a lot of chefs uh through direct drive and then of course through fat buddha um and you know personal friends of mine and then i would ask them hey can you come in and show my guy how to use a knife because i'm like trying to show him how to cook or hey can you show him how to prep this because i feel like there's a faster way and i'm always open because i know that a i'm not a trained chef i just love food Right. Me streamlining the kitchen took so much effort, but it made it a lot quicker if I asked for a little guidance or I YouTube something. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, par cook this, do this and that, you know. But you have to find what's really, you know, works for you, not necessarily. What works for you doesn't necessarily work for other uh, places. So, and then now we, uh, we went from rice based to bread based. Uh, and then right as we were launching our new menu, the, the fire upstairs happened. And all that water came down and desa, like, you know, uh, basically ruined our bar. So I had to close down, um, didn't reopen for seven months. And then we were starting, then I launched the, some of the older mint items because the gas didn't turn on. The gas was off up until recently. And then once I launched the new menu, then of course COVID is here. And then I'm like, okay, now everybody knows how I feel. Like when... All the water came down in Fat Buddha, so much uncertainty, how long am I going to be closed, you know, all of these feelings, and it's almost like I'm taking it round two, like I, I'm, a, you know, a glutton for punishment right now, but uh, the menu, like, for takeout and delivery is doing really well, so my chef is like, everybody's ordering a little bit of everything, as opposed to before with the rice dishes, one week we would sell a lot of this, another week we'd sell a lot of bibimbap. Another week we saw a lot of this, and it was just like all kind of all over the place, except for the wings and the buns. But it's so, good that you've been able to do that as a takeout, though, because a lot of places are just gone. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just doing what I can. I mean, you know, it's and plus, I'm only open really if my staff wants to work. So my kitchen guy 
and then one of the barbacks who like is helping run the you know do the diligence the daily diligence of uh, taking the orders and making sure it's all right and handing it off the curbside if they didn't want to work i wouldn't open you know there's no sense we're not you're not really opening to make you're not making anything you know right now so right you know, it's really just for my guys. Um, yeah, but there, but there, it keeps them going. It gives them purpose, and it gives them a little bit of money in their pocket, so that that the, hopefully there's a future. I mean, I think that's important. Yeah, and I mean, they're they're very grateful, you know, which is great. I mean, if they were ungrateful, I'd be like, well, you know, why are we? <laughs> no, yeah, I don't know. I'm stressing every day. I'm up late with you guys. You know, I'm doing these orders. I'm still working. I'm not getting paid. Right. They're really just getting everything. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's good. You know I mean? It, and it does keep me on my toes, you know, but you know, while this is all going on, I'm also, you know, uh, kind of, uh, trying to learn different stuff, you know, honing in a little bit more like Photoshop stuff. Uh, I've been doing after effects. I just started doing some after effects stuff. Um, I got into after effects for a little bit, but it's like, it's, it's a whole, it's such a deep, that in premiere, it's such a deep, tunnel to go down that i go for a little while and then i then i have to pull back and like you know focus on things that make me money and all that other kinds of stuff you know right right. but it's but it's it you know it's a good time for all of that yeah yeah i mean you know i'm definitely you know in the beginning drinking a lot more you know <laughs> eating a lot i'm like don't know what day it is i'm like okay and then uh you know my boy paulo paulo and uh and Jeremy, the hitter, who are on this, this uh, watching us now, what's up, fellas? Uh, they, you know, I'm always asking them, because Paula does a lot of uh, photography. He does both, but, uh, you know, they specialize in different things. Jeremy does a lot of video. So, you know, we're actually talking, we've been talking about doing some sort of podcast live, and Jeremy's already worked on a whole bunch. So we're just trying to figure out the platform. I think we're thinking about doing it. Uh, we've been discussing about doing it on Twitch, yeah. um, streaming it live from the bar. But the problem is like background noise, because even if we reopen, we're still going to do the podcast or the, the Twitch stream. So, you know, we're trying to figure out what headphones to use so we don't have to move around and, you know, background noise, the ambient noise. If people are talking, hanging out, we can even invite people to come hang out and do more interactive stuff. So that's kind of, you know, what we're still planning and, you know, and then obviously pushing fat whiskey because, you know, I got like five. I had a. 500 cases just sitting there well let's talk let's parlay to that so what happened yeah. first that was that the next big thing that happened or did you open up another space before that the fat whiskey yeah did that fat, happen did that that, that was uh that had been in play for a while um you know we were uh considered one of the top sellers of jameson in the metro area Mm. So, you know, uh, I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm not getting sent to Ireland and stuff like some of these other bar owners are. So I was like, <laughs> you know, let me, if I'm not getting that much love, you know, why weren't you getting other, any love? Do you think? Well, I wanted to do my own whiskey anyway, you know, but it definitely expedited it. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm making other people money. Let me try to do our own whiskey. So I sampled a bunch. I went to a couple other distilleries of people who wanted to partner up. Um, you know, I am not a distiller. You know, I am more a connector. So Today. See people. Yeah, you know. Okay, but that's, yeah. the, that's the core root, right? I, right? I've always been connecting people. Connect people to music, to a good time. You know, when people often, my phone will blow up on the weekends. Uh, well, 
you know, a lot longer ago than more recent, but still people contact me. Hey, I'm coming to New York. Right. Where What's going go? on? Where should I go? Where yeah, should I go? Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. Connect them to restaurants, connect them to this. That. So, uh, when I was just trying to find a good product where I can brand and do my branding, I'm going to put my name on it. You guys will supply the juice. I did all the, uh, the legal stuff where I can sell it into liquor stores and everything. So, um, that took in itself like, uh, eight months yeah. to do all of that, all the paperwork and, you know, putting a lot of money up and borrowing money to do this venture. Um, and then now we have fat whiskey and, uh, you know, we have the potential to do fat vodka and all this other stuff, but the whiskey was available right as right before we even opened. So I was like, oh man, like this is perfect time or the worst timing because i wanted to really spend a lot of time guerrilla marketing promoting you know come out with like some uh swag for people it is then we reopen the bar then we have fat whiskey Yeah. for a second no problem i can't tell if my internet is about to just just peace out of me but I, as soon as i saw the whiskey i was like i need that i mean i'm a whiskey drinker so i was right. like oh it just speaks to me right off the bat i was i was mad that I, w I wasn't in the city able to just come out and be like i gotta try this right away but um yeah i think that that's a good move i mean the vodka market is super super saturated you know tito's is sort of mm -hmm. like destroyed every new thing that's coming out because it's just so cheap and good you know good tasting um we have a vodka too we're just yeah, so sitting on it you're sitting on it i'm saying but it's a dangerous <laughs> market because it's you know it's not like the whiskey market people are interested in new whiskeys you know but yeah yeah but the if the well, brand we have goes the well, whiskey bottles yeah we i mean we can now well with the laws and everything we can now deliver we can sell the bottles out of the bar so that's amazing. You, order, you can order delivery and we'll deliver it to you, you know, bottles and up to a mile and a half away from Fat Buddha, or you can come and pick it up. And then I just got a, you know, the, they were down for a little while at deliveries, but now I have like a plethora. We're sitting on, on a nice amount uh, to be able to sell. So, um, yeah. And what's, and, 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 and you're now getting distribution for it. Yeah, we have a, we have a distributor already. I mean, that was already set up. That was kind of the whole thing, but, um, in the beginning, I kind of wanted to do it a little bit, you know, in hindsight, I should have just done it grassroots first, then done all the legal stuff. If it started to catch on and then start putting it in other spots. So, you know, so a lot of, uh, other sushi restaurants, they wanted to carry it. Uh, Juku carried it for a little bit in Chinatown, uh, other spots, you know, then obviously I opened up my restaurant the sushi restaurant in Midtown. Yeah, right that's my, next, my next step. Yeah, so yeah. how did that happen? Uh, Which looks well, insanely delicious, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, something that we've been really trying to be, um, I've been planning with my chef friend, uh, Charles, who actually loves drum and bass. That's how I met him. He was, I was DJing in the, you know, somewhere in the East Village, and uh, he looked it up. And he saw, he was like, oh shit, there's a guy named DJ Soul. I got to go see him and came down. And then I met him. He like wanted to buy me a drink and was calling me Hyung. Hyung means like older brother in Korean. And uh, he was from LA. So we're talking and then we're talking about food. Uh, started like 
you know, and he's a uh, consultant, so he gets flown everywhere opening our restaurants. Yeah. I went and ate at a bunch of places, and he's like, what do you think? And I would just be, you know, as we say in New York, dead ass about everything. And I'd be like, I think this is good. This needs a little bit more salt. Maybe, oh, this is cool. What is this? Like, what is this, like, little salt? And he was like, oh, wow. Uh, and then he started to trust my palate and started inviting me to restaurant opening, like, tastings. And uh, then we were talking about doing uh, different things. Next to Fat Buddha, there's a bar we were uh, going to take it over um, and uh, do like a Korean barbecue place in there. But the hood system and everything in there was like so dilapidated, we'd have to put in so much money to clean it and fix it all up. So we decided not to do that. And then we're talking about doing a Japanese restaurant, uh, Japanese, uh, you know, and grill korean and like you know a little bit of all asian influence basically so that's when i came up with omomo as a name and that means oh my god in korean omomo uh, funny because when i look at it it just makes me go om nom 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 om nom 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 right, right. <laughs> that's what i thought it was yeah right. nom 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 right if you put an n in front of it you know. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah uh so you know and then the, worked on that branding a little bit and it really stuck and i was like oh this looks so cool and then uh you know uh poured everything that i had into it you know borrowed money uh you know you you know the saying the adage is like bet with your head not over uh i bet over my head with it and uh it's just sitting there so we you know we close it down and i was like all right hopefully we get to reopen hopefully fat buddha you know it's all hopeful you know i want to know who misty cho is because she's she's like that's that's what old korean she, ladies say she's my niece Hey, what's up, Misty? She's keeping it real down there. She's keeping yeah. It real. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a shame, but it's but it's you know people should check out the the the, the Instagram and look at the food. It looks amazing. I immediately was like, I need to be there. <clears throat> I wanted to figure out a date night for my wife, and then this whole thing. Mike told you, and then this whole thing yeah. like went you know hit and you know. I know it's crazy. Eh, you know it is what it is it's the same for everybody i think it's harder for different businesses um we're all at least we're all doing this together that's the best thing so you have family you're with your family all that everything is good you're healthy well you know i have some friends who didn't make it through this i have friends who got super sick like i have friends who you know um they haven't been working at all you know i've been i've been lucky enough to be able to work i'm not in the city right now so it's good for me you know it's whatever We'll, we'll come back but I mean, you need to open something in Harlem when I get back to Harlem, though. Right. Harlem needs good food. I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. Harlem yeah. needs I, good I, food. I, yeah. I mean, I, I usually get, uh, you know, offered a lot of different opportunities. They were asking me to do something in Harlem. And that was before Omomo. And I was like, well, you know, from the East Village, if I can it's do Midtown, right. Omomo, then, you know, Harlem is very simple. You know, then it's one skip. But to come all the way from Fat Buddha all the way up to there. Of course. This is also when I was living in Crown Heights. I was like me from crown heights going all the way up to harlem i was like you know where are you uh, now uh i just moved out to queens all right you're yeah yeah the full the, circle for almost. the little guy yeah yeah i never lived in queens i i didn't even i was so busy with everything going on uh that i didn't even really know i came out here one day just to look around put a deposit down on the place i stood out on this little deck that we have um, looking around and, uh, you know, coming from Crown Heights, you know, it's all West Indian or, or yeah. uh, you know, yeah. acidic and, uh, everybody's Asian. I was like, holy shit. It's like so Asian up here, you know, uh, sprinkle of white people. But I was like, wow, this is so like, and it was so quiet here. 
that when I went back to Crown Heights to, you know, hang out, uh, you know, the window was open. I was just like, you know, it lived right on Eastern Parkway. I was like, damn, it is so loud here. Right. Well, it's, it's like, quiet. You move to somewhere quiet, but it's, it's yeah. really, it's good for your soul when you get, you, you can, you can detach from the speed and the noise of your life and come home somewhere where it's quiet. In Harlem, where I live, it's really quiet. Right. Sometimes the street's a little bit lively, but our bedrooms are on the back, so it's always quiet. Super quiet, yeah. Yeah, my yeah. chef actually lived in Harlem when I was when we were opening up, and I was like out there, and I was like, it's really nice out here, you know? A lot it's of really cool, nice. Yeah, a lot of cool African restaurants. Um, you it's, know. it's growing very slowly. The, the, the hardest part, I think, for Harlem in terms of restaurant growth and growth in general for stores is that because it's a very working-class community, people eat at home with their families. They work, they come home, they eat at home. So going out, yeah, there's a lot of young people that come out. But the, the things that people don't do correctly is they open bad restaurants in Harlem, restaurants with bad food, unhealthy food, things that we don't need. Right. And I think the restaurants that have come in and offered something interesting and different and diverse mm -hmm. um, have done very well and been able to stay open. And I, and I think that sometimes in Harlem, people pull their punches too much. They don't come, they don't bring their ethnicity hard enough which I wish they would do. They, right. There's not, you know what I mean? There's not enough spice to do what they want to do, really. Yeah, I think that comes across on uh, every platform. When you want to do music, you're like, oh, you know, I don't want to, you know, I mean, look at Aphex Twin, you know, his, you know, and, and Children of Man, you know, you listen to that soundtrack and you're like, this shit is crazy, you know, but that's kind of cool, you know, it's like, right. I, I listen to him like, oh, that's amazing. It sounds more futuristic than a lot of other stuff. And then, you know, when people open up restaurants, they're always behind that money ball, like that eight ball. They, and that eight ball is there, but it's also self, you know, in your head, you know. Even when I was doing Korean food at Fat Food, I'm like, bibimbap? I don't know if people are going to, no one was pronouncing it correctly. I know, but the New Yorkers love food with flavor. I mean, I, yeah. I'm i a huge fan of, of Asian food in general. Korean yeah. food has is, is always been one of my favorites, you know, K-Town and all the different barbecue places and then yeah. the, and then the, and, and then korean food mixed with japanese food is a really good combination because you get the clean fish you know sushi stuff with the mm -hmm. good cooked korean and the combinations right the spice is really you know i think that's been very successful in the city in general because people are looking for that that new yeah. flavor that that yeah yeah clean or savory yeah. or you it's know kind of like uh you know there's so many like cuisines of chinese food that i like just kind of learned from living out here in uh, queens and you know china is huge you know and yeah. each region has their own kind of thing and i just started learning about all of it but to stay successful i guess every one of them sells general's chicken you know so it's kind of like you know you can kind of if you go too hard body karate one direction it'll go <laughs> over people's head you know they'll be like uh what is this and then you're gonna you know your waiter's gonna sit there explaining every little thing to them whereas like korean food is very lucky where we've been extremely lucky with korean food because now everybody kind of knows what kimchi is you know i mean growing up my friends would be like bro cover that shit smell right and like yeah all right that stinky stuff and now they're like, oh, actually, I kind of like kimchi. Now, was that the stuff in your house? I was like, yeah, bro, that's the shit you used to. I make. feel like that. I feel like that's what happened to sriracha. You know, it's like sriracha became yeah. this thing that, like, now nobody, people can't live without. But if you, you know, ten years ago, they would have thought it was the weirdest thing ever. Yeah, yeah, and just explaining it, and just it was always in my house. So, and it was like smell. It smelled, you know. So yeah, did you? Did your mom or your grandmother make your own? Make her own? Yeah, my grandmother did everything from scratch, like the. 
uh, Korean pepper paste, uh, gochujang. Mm -hmm. She would make huge things, and she'd be like, you want to help me? And I was like a little kid, and I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But in hindsight, I was like, damn, I kind of wish I could make that right now, you know, but you know, you make so, it's like so much. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of stuff. We have about 10 minutes left and this has been amazing for me because I've, you know, I've never talked to you about sort of your full, the full sort of from the the DMB world, how it's connected your whole life, which is kind of amazing. Your, your professional life. But let's talk about the, the, the stuff that the food delivery that you're doing for the first responders and, and, um, at hospitals and all that. How did that come about? And, you know, well, talk about it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like during the pandemic, you know, we actually have a lot of nurses that come to Fat Buddha, and we, I would always talk to them about stories, horror stories, and funny stories. But uh, when this was all going down, and then I kind of saw everything happening, um, and then of course with the restaurants, uh, you know, there's other larger names that are doing the the feeding restaurants. So I wanted to do something, so I signed up for all of them. Uh, nobody ever got back to me, so I was like, all right, well, let me do what I do. I'm going to just try to see if people donate. And then uh, if they donate, I can uh, send out the food. So we've been sending out a lot more food than what we've been getting, but it's something to just kind of uh, show, uh, you know, our thanks to the first responders, uh, the nurses on the front line. And, you know, they're telling me stories like, yeah, like one of my friends, they got, they got the virus. And then, you know, like a week into it, they're like, can you come back? You know? And then the next day it's like, they're getting hounded to come back to work. And, you know, um, you know, just to try to show appreciation. So we just called it Feed a Hero US because every other one was taken. So uh, <laughs> feedahero.us and then we take uh, donations for, you know, food. Uh, some people donate like 400 bucks. I was like, oh my God, it's, that's so gracious, you know. And even right now, they still, like all the nurses are so appreciative of it. And, uh, you know, we just kind of set it up. And then I was like thinking maybe we could do it for some senior citizen homes, you know, because, you know, your grandparents should be your hero as well. Um, And, uh, you know, we have it set up with uh, fire departments and police. So it's like an organized thing. I don't just show up to the the, uh, hospital with it. It's all coordinated effort. We have different. I have a contact for each uh, division, the ER, the ICU and everything and the testing units and everything. So. But as it's flattening, so is the uh, the the al- amount of uh, people in, in like donating. So lately, we haven't done that much. But someone just donated fifty bucks the other day. So probably going to go out and feed another uh, unit. So, I love it. Yeah. So again, tell everyone where they can donate. Uh, feed a hero us dot us online, or you know you can find us all on uh, most most of the people that are logging on. They already know us so you know they can find all the info on uh, fat buddha or omomo as well omomo nyc right yeah dot com dot com com. yeah (laughs) it's funny yeah it's funny because fat buddha bar a lot of people don't know how to spell buddha me included when i first opened the bar i had to google it so uh i did another website livefat.nyc so livefat.nyc is easy to find and you don't really mess that up so there's a link there to donate to feed a hero and uh for fat buddha there you go yeah um so direct drive you're doing any 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 direct drive reunions you know i'm sure it's about that time people are starting to think about it right yeah maybe maybe not now i see the smile on your. i mean obviously you know like but when things get back together i see the smile on your face yeah i mean i love listen i love direct brought me all around the world it made me it helped me open and do anything and everything that i do and i still love it 
I still, you know, when I would show up to shows, people were like, damn, you're here? I'm like, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I don't go out that often, but when I do, you know, it's select, you know. Um, but, you know, uh, at the same token, you know, I can't go out that often. And, yeah, you know, of course. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I, 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 love, I love the music, um, you know, and uh, I wish it were uh, more popular, but it is what it is, you know. It's funny because I, 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 I do, I've always felt the drum and bass and jungle was a very special thing for me and though i though professionally when you're doing it and you're making money from it you want it to be bigger because you want to make more money because you're investing so much time in it and you're touring and all that mm -hmm. but i understand why it is the size that it is it's not for everybody it's special and that's what i think is unique about it, is that it doesn't need to be the, the trance of america it doesn't need to be this right all-encompassing genre for me it always just is a special thing that you know like it's not me as an, a musician now i've kind of grown grown past just that as a, a genre as the only you know what i mean yeah um but i still you know like I'll, on a sunday morning i'll put on some liquid drum and bass and just enjoy myself you know what i mean it's not it's just special in its own mm -hmm. in its own sort of yeah thing. it's got so many subgenres. like i listen to it all so you know, and it's funny because a lot of people wanted it to be commercially viable, like dubstep. Dubstep really took over commercial music. Like everybody had the breakdowns and stuff right, like that. Right, right. And at Back Tune, we had like uh, Rockefeller record guys come through. We had like you know, we had like all like a lot of big hip hop labels and music uh, execs come by to see what it was because they thought it was going to be like the commercial thing to do next. So. Who knows? It I remember, like when when Rockus did raw cuts. I mean, they put they put a chip in the table. Mm -hmm. I remember they did that, and yeah, after, you know, um, yeah. yeah and I think brothers. it did have a moment when Ronnie Size popped through with Brown Paper, and some there were some tracks that got extra large, and they seemed like the next urban. I think the hardest thing for drum and bass was that, unlike hip hop, where it went away from the producer and DJ to being more about the MC and the story and, and that that thing. It was harder for the message of drum and bass, and I mean, it really was still about the sonics and not necessarily about an MC, which right. makes it harder for people to digest and remember songs if you're not into listening to music that way. And that's yeah. why. Yeah, I mean, when I, I remember I touched down in London, and they were like, "Oh, here's a top ten, and there's like just commercial. Uh, one of the songs was just an instrumental. And right. I was like, Damn, this would never happen in America." Right now, it, now it's you know you, now there's like house songs and shit like that you know and a lot of things but yeah back then it was just like in America everything had that vocals or a band or something or wasn't you know uh, yeah unless it was like a super underground music you know? I mean it's again like I like it to be it's sort of like I have friends from high school who never stopped listening to metal and that was the only thing they've ever listened to and they still to this day listen just to metal and I feel like it's all this big flavor or pot of things that we live through in different times in our lives that you know make that music special and that'll always be special to me from that time and yeah. it's, it continues to be special in its own way because it hasn't been completely commercialized and all that so right. you know well i call it the golden era yeah the golden, the golden era drum and bass in new york and if you were in it you didn't know it was happening you know really until later on yeah exactly you know so, exactly. Kind of like hip hop, you know. Nobody knew the '90s was like the golden era. They're just like, oh wow, a lot of creative shit. You're just enjoying it, right? Then when it's gone, you're like, oh shit, that was like the golden era. I did see Black Stars doing a new album, and 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 uh, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out. For yeah. Sure.
Yeah, All I was right, talking so, to Jay Rude, the damager, yesterday. He's got a bunch of stuff coming up. I heard that, too. That's good. Yeah, you know everybody. I want to catch up with you about all those people another time anyway. Um, sure. All right, so I do a round of quick questions on each of these. Just answer. Don't think too hard. Okay. Faith or science? Science. Rave or festival? Rave. Ocean, lake, or desert? Ocean. Uh, music or money? Music. Acid or mushrooms? Maybe I maybe I should have went after money, but uh, acid or mushrooms, they're kind of the same thing. Big room or small room? I like small rooms. Uh, what's your superpower? Uh, my superpower, I feel, is positivity. How would you incorrectly describe your job? Glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> what, what animal should survive if only one can survive? What's that? What animal should survive if only one can survive? Oh, geez. I don't know. All of them, except for humans. <laughs> Cat or dog? Uh, I'm not a huge fan of having pets, but I do like dogs. Uh, if not music, then what? I think, you know, you've done a lot of what? Not music, then whiskey, I guess. I don't know. Favorite meal? Favorite meal? Hmm. Wow, that's a hard one, man. I like too much food. I don't know. Okay. Korean cuisine. I like Korean. I can eat that all day. Um, hunter or gatherer? I'm more of a hunter. Uh, what's the last gift you gave someone? Food. The nurses. Um, do you have a favorite deli? Uh... Like a bodega? New York Deli, yeah, sure, a bodega. Yeah, the one across from Fat Buddha. Those guys are dope. Uh, but I mean, if you're talking about like pastrami, stuff like that. No, 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 I'm just saying oh, whatever, whatever, don't, don't. I got you, I got you, I got you. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite metal band? Uh, a metal band? I mean, Iron Maiden. Uh, and my, my favorite question is, what genre are the talking heads? Talking heads? I don't know. Lawakabop, label. Hmm. I don't know. Indie? I don't know. Indie? Indie rock? All right, Lord Kimchi. Thank you so much. All right, brother. This was Thanks awesome. I can't wait to be back in the city and see you come to the restaurants. I hope everything m maintains and you keep doing what you're doing. You're awesome. Yeah, brother. Thank you, man. I'll let you know when the stuff is posted. It's definitely dope uh, deli, too, but it's not really a deli. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Enjoy your weekend. All right, brother. Peace. Peace. See you guys later.